The views expressed in this episode are solely those of the guest, and they do not reflect the opinions of News 6, Graham Media, or the hosts of Florida Foodie. Hello and welcome to Florida Foodie. I'm Lisa Bell. And I'm Candace Campos. When the pandemic began, we started hearing the phrase, quote, essential workers, and that includes everything from doctors and first responders to food service workers and grocery clerks. Many of these essential workers, though, are making only minimum wage and often struggle to make ends meet. So in the November 2020 election, Floridians recently passed Amendment 2, which will get the state's minimum wage to $15 an hour by the year 2026. However, the first wage increase is still months away, and there are Florida lawmakers who are already looking to limit who will ultimately see a pay hike. So to talk with us more about all of this, we are joined by Chris Christian Cardona, a worker at a Central Florida McDonald's and someone who has been an advocate with Fight for 15 Florida and helped get that amendment passed. Christian, thank you so much for joining us. First, how did you get involved with that movement? Uh, first of all, hi everyone. Thank you for having me. Um, the way I started out with Fight for 15 was at the back at the start of the pandemic when this all began. I saw a lot of problems that workers were facing. And these are all problems that we faced before the pandemic, but this pandemic made them stand out in a way that I could not ignore. I saw people around me struggle. I even saw my own family struggle. So it made me reach out for help and that's what I did. And I was able to, I was connected with a journalist from New York who helped me get my story out and connect me with other workers and other organizations like 5 to 15. Once I was connected with 5 to 15, I began participating in different strikes, training calls, um, advocating for Amendment 2 and advocating for worker rights. And that's how my journey began. So what does Fight for 15 mean? You know, we, we all can assume what it means, but what does it mean for, for, for workers like you? Um, well, the full name is Fight for 15 and a Union, and that pretty much says it. We're fighting for a living wage for workers because we believe that everyone, that every worker deserves a living wage. There's not such thing as unskilled labor. Even the, like, even at my job, the newest person, they still have to go to training. They still have to go to classes. So there's not such thing as unskilled labor. Um, I would say like we may be fast food, but we're actually like the national kitchen for the country because we may feed a third of the country at every single day. And I would say that's no easy task. Mm -hmm. So your story was recently uh, highlighted and featured in the New Yorker magazine. Um, tell us about um, you and your family and what your current wage is and what's that, what that is like working for a wage like that. Uh, well, me and my family, we came here from Colombia. We came with the dream, the American dream. We thought that if we worked hard, we could find a place for ourselves. And the reality is that even if we work hard, sometimes we can't make it. My father, who had a job in the tourism industry, uh, faced layoffs when the pandemic started in the 
tourism industry was hit here in Florida. My mother, she is a worker at a bank. She does cleaning um, and she's also high risk. Um, like her immune system is compromised, but she still had to work throughout the pandemic. So it felt like we were risking her health just so we could pay the bills. As for myself, I help my parents and I also take care of myself. My current wage is 1130, but even working full-time as a manager who has been trained, certified, has went to classes, I still don't make enough to afford a place for myself or afford everything. The only reason I'm able to make is because I live with my parents and we all help each other. So you work full-time as a manager at McDonald's and you make $11.30 an hour. What about your mom who you said who cleans a bank? Uh, she, I know she makes around $11. I know between uh, my mom, dad, and me, we all make less than $12 an hour. We so, also, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, we also have a, uh, I have a younger sister who we also take care of. And so Amendment 2 passed uh, last month. Is this a possibility to wait for it to come to fruition to get to that $15, which is what, 2026? I mean, is that even something that's sustainable until then? Um, well, the thing about 15, the 5 to 15 is that it started almost 10 years ago, back in 2012. Work, workers were asking for 15 then, and it has been a long time since then, and we still don't have it. And now we did pass Amendment 2, which is great, but we still won't get it for another five years. And back in 2012, 15, my might have been enough then it's probably not enough now and in five years it will be even less so and i feel like we need to take care of the workers who are running this country who the essential workers because our work is seen as essential but the workers themselves are not seen as essential and that is why we can't afford to wait i feel like we have sacrificed too many lives already so what do you say to people who say, you know, no one is forcing you to work at McDonald's, you know, for $11.30 an hour. If you don't like that wage, go out and do something different and make more money. Well, I would say uh, on average McDonald's, like 11.30, which is the wage I'm currently at, is more than what a lot of people already make because the minimum here is eight. 45 or 856 in Florida. So I feel like I'm already ab above the minimum wage and I still can't make it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of places are way lower than that. Like nowhere in here in Florida can you afford a, like a one bedroom apartment with yeah. that much and adding like a car bill, insurance, taking care of kids. Like for example, I work with a lot of single parents, single mothers who have kids they have to take care of. They may work full time and still not afford to take care of their children. And then when people have to take on like Medicaid or food stamps or, or stuff like that, it's like we as taxpayers are subsidizing McDonald's to pay their workers a starvation wage. And I think that's not at all fair for a, a global corporation mm -hmm. that makes record profits even during a, during a pandemic. So does your sister also work? Uh, no, my sister is 15. She's currently in high school right now. And you're in your 20s, right? Yeah, I'm 21, right? 
Yeah. So, I mean, you obviously that is the other side of the argument and it's, it's an interesting argument. You know, um, your mom works, your dad works when he can looking for work. Obviously he's been hit hard by the, you know, the pandemic and the tourism industry and you work as well. Does your family also get food stamps or Medicaid to help make ends meet? Uh, not my family. We don't receive any help like that. We just, we all work hard and we all take care of our bills. And I mean, and Christian, what would you tell, you know, the opposite? Because you have people who opposed Amendment 2 saying that the concern that the pay cut, the pay, the pay hike could lead to labor cuts. I mean, what, what would you say about that? Um, well, I would say you have to look at other states. Other states have already passed a 15 or a higher living wage, and they're actually doing better than ever. In every single state that workers have put a living wage on, like a legislation, it has passed. Like workers have already spoken in every single state that it has been proposed, and they have passed it. And I think it's disgusting for lawmakers to try to overturn that, especially the pandemic when essential workers are struggling. And, you know, that is happening already right now, which happens a lot in the state of Florida. There is, you know, a constitutional amendment that voters will overwhelmingly approve, and then some roadblocks are put up. And already we are seeing Senator Jeff Brandis looking to set a lower minimum wage for what he calls hard-to-hire people, like people um, who have been arrested in the past, have spent time in jail, people who are younger, under the age of 21. Uh, what do you make of that? Um, I would say it is blatantly racist. I feel like he's targeting a specific specific groups of people. And I would say all workers should get paid for the same. Like if you do the same work, you should get paid the same. Like they shouldn't get paid. They should, their labor should not be considered less than because they're minors or because they're returning citizens or because they're hard to hire, which is a very broad thing that like you could apply anyone to that. Uh, even young people have bills, even young people have to eat, even young people may have to pay rent or take care of their family. So it's not fair that their labor would be considered less than just because of their age. The other debate that's now taking shape is more of a national debate. Obviously, President Joe Biden wants to set a national minimum wage at $15 an hour, but the argument is, is $15 an hour in, say, New York City is very different than $15 an hour in a small town in the Midwest somewhere. Um, so is just this arbitrary $15 an hour the right path forward? Um. I would say this, I know when the first minimum wage started, it was about a dollar. But when you factor in inflation, that dollar today would be about $11. So when you consider that the minimum wage today is $7.25 an hour, you would see that the minimum wage has actually gone down. Mm -hmm. But what has not gone down is worker productivity and corporate profits. Mm -hmm. They still go up but they still don't take care of their workers. Yeah. Um, I think 15 is a good starting point for workers. Maybe for rural places, we can find a different number, but I think 15 would be a good starting place. Mm -hmm. Ideally, Christian, I mean, where, where do you think the number should be at? If, if, you, if you had to pick that number that 
worked for both sides. I mean, what number would be livable for, for a family like you guys? Um, I can't think of a very specific number, but I think we fa- we have to factor in the cost of living, like the co- cost of rent, the cost of food, the cost of health insurance, uh, transportation, all of these things. Like no one should have to work 40 hours and still not afford to have pay rent or a car or food. Like no one should go hungry. I think a living wage includes being able to raise children. So I, I believe 15 is a good starting point. Um, and then we also have to look at inflation because every year it goes up. And I think the living wage should match that or take that into consideration. How has your company, McDonald's, how do you feel your company, McDonald's, has responded to you and treated you in light of your activism? Well, I feel like they recognize that there's a lot of problems, but they also understand that it's not just McDonald's, it's a national problem. McDonald's is not the only one who takes advantage of their workers. They only do what they're allowed to do. If they're allowed to pay their workers less than a living wage, they will because they can. And then when the pandemic began and fast food restaurants were um, one of the first businesses to really be deemed kind of essential. I mean, did they ever even stop, Lisa? I mean, at one point. I think initially they were shut down and Mm -hmm. then we never shut down, at least at my store. We were, the whole pandemic, we were open. The, here in Florida, yeah. Yes, Florida, for my um, Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, what was that like for you to know that you, um, you know, were considered an essential worker um, and, and there were politicians who basically said, you know, we need you to be open and wanted you and wanted the economy to be open, but yet on the other hand, may have also been um, resistant to this idea of $15 an hour. Um, I would say it made me upset because we might've been called heroic for our sacrifice, but I felt more like we were a sacrifice that they were willing to make because our work is seen as essential, but us as workers are not seen as essential. We don't have any kind of essential pay, any sort of hazard pay. And I would say we are risking our lives. We are on the front lines and we are the people who feed other essential workers. We are the ones that help other workers get through their day with their coffee. We feed the frontline healthcare professionals who are taking care of the people who are sick. And we also carry a risk by serving people who work with COVID patients. We have a lot of clinics, a lot of hospitals around, and we feed a lot of these people. So that also carries a risk. And also a lot of people may work two jobs. Maybe some people may work at a nursing home and also at McDonald's, and that also carries a risk. And I feel like we're not compensated accordingly for the sacrifice we're making. So now that uh, Florida voters have passed that amendment and there is plans to raise the minimum wage to $15 by 2026, where does your work go next in terms of fighting for workers in Florida? Well, with five for 15, we fight for a living wage and a union. Like the fight is far from over. Even if we get $15 now 
or five years from now, we still have to fight for worker rights. We have to fight for a union, the right to collect the bargain. We have to fight for maternity leave, sick leave, PPE. Um, there's so many things that we have to fight for. So the fight is far from over, even if we get a living wage. And how, I mean, how large is this organization, this fight, this fight for 15 here in Florida? Uh, well, I have participated in multiple strikes and events. I've seen a lot of people. We have worked with a lot of other workers. Like I remember at one specific strike that we did, there was some Valencia college professors who joined us and they spoke about how even them as professionals who have gone to college and gotten their degrees, their bachelors, they still don't make a living wage. So it just goes to show that even people who are educated, they're still struggling. And those who are working essential jobs that pay close to minimum wage, they're struggling even more. And those are the people that have children and are struggling the most during this pandemic. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And we, of course, will be following this very closely as uh, the legislature continues to move forward and the wages are changed here in the state of Florida. Uh, we appreciate your time and sharing your story with us today. Thank you so much and thank you for having me. All right, thank you, Christian. Bye. Bye. Following our interview with Christian Cardona, in the interest of fairness, we reached out to Senator Jeff Brandis and the McDonald's Corporation to get their response on Mr. Cardona's views. In response to Mr. Cardona referring to Senator Brandis's minimum wage legislation as, quote, blatantly racist, a spokesperson for the senator responded by saying, quote, Thank you for reaching out to us. Senator Brandis would like to remind Mr. Cardona that 30 U.S. states currently have wage policies similar to or the same as those proposed in his resolution. Is Mr. Cardona insinuating that those policies are racist as well? End quote. And in response to Mr. Cardona saying that McDonald's takes advantage of its employees and pays a, quote, starvation wage, a spokesperson for the McDonald's Corporation sent a statement reading, quote, we welcome the opportunity to engage in a productive dialogue on minimum wage, including on how we make sure that as changes are introduced, it's done in a way that balances the needs of our people and our communities and the needs of business owners, including nearly 2,000 small business owners who own and operate more than 95% of McDonald's restaurants in the U.S., unquote. And we would like to thank the McDonald's Corporation and Senator Brandis for their responses. Thank you for listening to Florida Foodie. We'd also like to thank our guest, Christian Cardona. You can find out more about Fight for 15 at fightfor15.org and on social media, search Fight for 15 FL on Twitter and Facebook. Be sure to follow Lisa Bell, search Lisa Bell News on Facebook and Instagram, or Lisa Bell News 6 on Twitter. You can also find Candace Campos on social media. She's on Twitter, just search at Candace News 6, and on Facebook, search Candace Campos News 6. Also, a big thank you to our technical producers, Derek Mosier and Ryan Haley. I'm the show's producer, Thomas Mates. Florida Foodie is available for download wherever you get your podcasts. Please take the time to rate and review us there as well. You can find videos of all of our podcasts at clickorlando.com slash podcasts. Oh.